Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today it's our book club. It's book club. And we're doing a thriller. I know. You get two a year. I know. It's not a hard and fast rule. No, it's not. That's just the average. You get two schmaltzy romances a year and I get two murders a year. Yeah, but sometimes you like my schmaltzy romances. Like you loved One Day in December. Yeah, of course. That was a great book. I'm thinking more of like the YA romances. Those are the ones I don't like. We haven't done those in a while. Maybe it's time that I pick a YA romance. No. Maybe. No. Well, anyway, today we're discussing Good Girls Lie by J.T. Ellison, which is a super twisty thriller about an all-girls boarding school. I literally just finished the audiobook today, like an hour before you came over. You're fresh. I'm fresh. I'm fresh off of the murder. Okay. So before we get into it, let's do our highs and our lows. Okay. I have a lot. I have a lot. I feel like I'm having a very tumultuous January in a good way, a really good way, actually. Would you like to share first? Yes. I would love to. So work-wise, this is the busiest January I've ever had. Usually January, like in the blogging world, like your fourth quarter is crazy, like October, November, December. And then Q1 is like nice and slow. You can take trips. You can chill out a little bit. And I've been doing that. Like I was just in Charleston this weekend, which was so much fun. But um, this month, I have just as many projects as I had in December. So things aren't slow. But that's great because I'm self-employed. So I'm psyched. But I'm also just like a little overwhelmed. Is this your high or your low? See, this is why it's tumultuous. I don't know. I feel like my highs and my lows are combining. (laughs) You just have neutrals. (laughs) I just have a lot to say. Um, I... So this is going out on Wednesday. Last Friday will have been my big I, – I threw, hopefully I, I pulled it off, a 10-year a anniversary party for my blog. I bought a new dress for it. Um, I'm so excited to see it. I got a new dress for it. Like I really went all out. Like my friends at the four office let me use their bar. I'll, I'll, I'll recap this after and I'll let you know how it actually went. But like I got fancy. Like I splurged. I, I had bartenders. Um Chambord made a signature cocktail. Um, Duncan came with a very special treat, which did I tell you what the treat is? No, don't say this. It hasn't happened yet. I'm not You're talking to. about it as if it's in the past tense. So it's not past tense, but it's been very stressful to plan. Like, well, I'll talk about that as my low. Everything's mixed together. Okay. So work has been crazy, which is good. Then the other thing is personally, things are really good. I have a fun trip planned. I have some like fun. Where are you going on a fun trip? Going to Japan. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Well, that's also work, but it's like a fun Okay. Night. I'm going to Japan in March. I'm so excited. I was about to be mad. Um, And I've been dating somebody, but I'm not going to talk about that. But it's something I'm excited about. It's very, very early. Um, And everything is just great. Life is good. Good. How about you? Um, Mine is going to be very mysterious because I'm not ready to talk about it yet. But you guys, I know what it is. So um, my... One of my New Year's resolutions was to, like, find more passion in my work. And so I've been working on this side project. And I feel like it's really starting to come together. And I'm so excited about it. And I think you're going to be really excited about it, both you, Grace, and you, people who are listening. Oh, I'm pumped about it. content-oriented. I mean, this isn't a moneymaker, per se, but it's something that I would feel good. I'm really excited about doing the work for, so I'm really... It will like diffuse the fact if I'm not as excited about my freelance stuff. But I feel like it's been a big week for it. I'm very excited. I feel like I need it to just be like a little further along before I share. But I'm feeling very invigorated. 
I'm super excited for you. Her idea is very smart. It's very fun. You guys are going to love it. I don't want to like be also mysterious. I know. I know. I feel like I'll be ready to talk about it in like a month maybe. Yeah. I just want it to be a little closer to the launch and I think right now we're planning to launch it in May and I want the I want the idea to be further along so it doesn't feel like it's going to it could fall apart. Yeah. But I'm nervous, but I'm excited. We had so I'm working on this with my friend Rachel and we had a conference call. Um she's in LA, so we had a conference call to talk about it at like seven the other night and afterwards I was like I had like eight in the morning energy like I was like so excited I was like I'm ready to go but then I was like it's time to wind down but I just feel like that level of invigorated that I'm so excited about a project yeah that's a good feeling that's how I feel about my Amazon thing right now I'm jazzed yeah yeah what about Lowe's um I don't have a specific one. I mean, if anything, it would just be my continuing work anxiety about projects where I've had a couple conversations and I've put in a couple of proposals, but I still don't have a second project for February and I would like to. And it has made me feel better. I've had a lot of coffees. I had coffee with Molly Chen this week. I had coffee with another friend who also is a consultant this week. And it kind of feels like everyone's looking for work. So I know that it's not just me, but I'm just feeling a little anxious and I'm not contracted for very much work right now. Like I'm only contracted for 18 hours of work a week right now. And I'm not using the time well where it's still like I'm sitting at my computer and I'm just like nervously creating tasks for myself instead of being like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this time. I just don't like not having the next thing lined up. Yeah, that's stressful. So I'm trying not to freak out about it and I'm not freaking out, but it's just like it's a low key roller coaster because I, I feel like I've had a couple times where I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing's going to work out. And then it kind of like goes nowhere. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. But I'll know to plan for it next year. I think that's smart. I feel like Q1 is just usually very, very slow. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your low? Ugh, well, I'm I'm getting a cold. I really cannot have a cold because we have this party on Friday. Um, So I'm like really hunkering down and trying not to go out, not to drink, just to like focus on getting good and healthy. Um, my desktop computer just it continues to turn itself off, and I I was told by what's the, wrong with it. I was told by the Apple Store that it needs to be plugged directly into the wall and not the power strip. Okay, but that will re- literally require me moving my whole apartment around because right now my desk is up against that exposed brick wall, and there's no outlets. So I'm like, do I switch where my desk and credenza are? I don't really want to hmm. do that. It's um a lot to think about. So I don't know what to do with my computer. But it was never an issue before and you've lived here for years. Yeah, I've been here for over two years and they they seemed like they ran all these diagnostics on it and they're like, it's because you're plugging it in there. So I don't Hmm. know. I don't know what to do. Um, Maybe just get a new power strip and see if that fixes it. Because that's like a $10 solution and yeah, it, it might not work. It works for all my other things though, like all the lights that are plugged in. So I don't know. It's really frustrating. Because I just, like, I was working on – usually I can do everything on my laptop. But the one thing is, like, with this Amazon project, I am appro- I just approved all my patterns and things. And, like, I want to see it all on the big screen. Like, same goes with editing images or um, working on video projects. Like, I want to see everything really big because yeah. I don't have the best eyes as it is. So I'm just like, come on, really? Like, I feel like anytime I open an Amazon file, my computer is like, bye. Well, can't – can you take the computer and just 
try it and plug it in somewhere else? Yeah, I was working on it in the kitchen. Oh, it works yeah. in other plugs. Oh, yeah, it works in the kitchen. Oh, interesting. It's, Get a new power strip. See if that fixes it. Yeah, I'm going to. It's just like, why? I don't know. Yeah. It's like, why did Tyrion turn gray again? There's a lot of answers. I think you're ageist against Tyrion. Oh, by the way, guys, Tyrion's tail is gray again, and I don't know how or why. Yeah. So those are lows. They're not real lows. I mean, it's just like annoying. I don't want to have a cold, and I don't want – I would like my computer to turn on. You know what would make Grace feel better? If you leave us a review or put us on your stories. There's been so much good sharing this week. There really has. It warms my heart. I think that that's one of the number one ways that people find out about us because we haven't done any fancy marketing stuff. Like it's all word of mouth grassroots. So you telling a friend and you meaning somebody who you don't have to have a huge Instagram following like yeah, you telling your sister or your best friend or your work wife like that's what's really meaningful to us. Exactly. I mean, I'm personally more likely to try something or like go to a movie or like whatever or listen to a podcast if one of my friends puts on their Instagram versus an influencer. Totally. Yeah. So we really appreciate all the sharing. Yeah. It makes a huge, huge difference. It really does. As does writing reviews. We love those too. Shall we talk about this book? Yes. Grace, I had such a hard time writing the summary for this book because so much happens. So much happened. Well, I saw it was like three pages long because I, I went I in. cut things. I cut things aggressively. It's it's tight. It's very tight. I cut out whole plot lines because I was like, I th- this would so be much. 10 pages. It's so twisty and turny. It's hard with a thriller, too, because it's like you have to tell people about all the breadcrumbs. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. But I was like, oh. It's very involved. It's very involved. A lot happens. It was kind of slow to start. We'll talk about our opinions later. Yeah. But let's get into it. Okay. So the book opens with a girl hanging from the gates of the good school, and it's unclear who she is or what happened and whether it's a suicide or a murder. And from there, we rewind to Ash Carlisle arriving at the good school from England. She appears to be wealthy, but from the narration, we can tell that she's definitely hiding something. So she's been practicing to appear this way. She has a full scholarship because of her academic record, but also because of her circumstances. Her parents have both just suddenly died. So the good school is located in a small town in Virginia, and it's an incredibly prestigious school that's a feeder to the Ivies. And at registration, Ash meets Becca Curtis, who is a popular senior who is the head girl at the school, and she's also a senator's daughter. And they have a really weird first interaction where Becca kind of threatens her and then tells her, did you know that if your roommate dies, you get a room to yourself? Ugh, creepy. So from there, Ash goes to meet with the dean. For Juliet Westhaven is the dean of the school and a descendant of the founder. The headmistress position is passed down through the maternal line in her family. She's reluctantly taken on the role of dean in her 30s after her mother was ousted when there was a murder at the school 10 years earlier. She would actually prefer to be a writer if she had anything to do with it. So Ash doesn't really fit in with her peers from the start, but her roommate Camille and her two best friends, Piper and Vanessa, kind of tolerate Ash and they give her a rundown of some of the school's quirks and traditions. So, for example, there's all of these rules like underclassmen can never go into the senior floor uninvited. And they also tell her that there's a system of tunnels underneath the school. And they warn her that going into the Arboretum isn't safe because that's where the murder took place 10 years ago. And they also tell her about 
Ivy Bound, which is the most prestigious secret society at the school. And it's rumored that Becca is the head of the secret society, but no one will know for sure unless they're tapped, which is incredibly unlikely as sophomores. So on her first day of classes, Ash meets with Dr. Grassley, who is a music professor. Ash was admitted to the school based on her reputation as being a piano-playing prodigy. She shows up to the interview with a gift for the professor. She's read that Grassley loves caramels, but was allergic to, to tree nuts. So she brought her the caramels from a specialty shop in Oxford that is allergen-sensitive. Playing of the piano is subpar, but she blames it on being out of practice and claims to be unable to play since her parents died. Playing the piano reminds her too much of her mother. So the first few days of school are very eventful. So first, the music professor dies of an allergic reaction to the chocolates that Ash gave her. But Ash stays quiet about her involvement because people don't know. And then meanwhile, the dean is keeping a close eye on Becca after Becca's mother sent her a psych evaluation that diagnoses Becca with depression and sociopathic tendencies. So Ash is trying to keep a really low profile, but in her computer class, she's singled out as really advanced, and she's offered a private tutorial with the professor, who's the Silicon Valley prodigy who's new to the school. So then we have a flashback, and we see that Ash has had a very rough childhood. Her parents were withdrawn after her brother died when he was four, and Ash was six. Her father has become really abusive. In the present, we learn that the investigation into their deaths was resolved. Her father died of a drug overdose, and her mother suffered a mental breakdown upon finding him and killed herself. So in the first few days of school, Ash gets an invitation to the senior floor, which is a big deal, and it ruffles the feathers of all of her sweet mates. So Becca wants Ash to hack into the dean's computer to see what her mother has been saying about her. But Ash refuses, and afterwards, Becca poses it as if it were a test and then invites Ash to sit with her at breakfast the next day. So Becca's interest in Ash provides her with safety. Even if the other girls don't like her, they're now afraid of her. Ash ends up getting tapped for Ivy Bound. On the same night as the tap, a girl is discovered dead, having fallen off of the bell tower. And it turns out to be Camille, Ash's roommate. The sheriff comes to investigate, bringing his niece, who is a detective in Charlottesville, the closest major city. She's visiting her uncle and is there in an unofficial capacity. So Ash and Becca are questioned, and while they have the alibi of being at the tap, there's a tear in Ash's shirt, and the fabric appears similar to fabric that was found on the bell tower at the scene of the crime. So it comes out during the investigation that Camille had recently had an abortion, and the same night as Camille's death, back in her room, Becca kisses Ash, and Ash is really confused, but she doesn't dislike it. And afterwards, Becca says to her, this is going to be so much easier now that we both have singles. So the sheriff is convinced that Camille's death is a suicide, but his niece feels something is wrong. She gets in touch with a friend at Cambridge Yard who sends a file on the death of Ash's parents. And in the file, she sees a photo of an oil painting. There is so much detail here. A photo of an oil painting of the family. The the ash in the picture is not the same ash that's on campus. So unrelated, Ash gets called to the dean's office, and her father's lawyer has come to the school regarding her father's estate. So her father's will had been modified right before his death, and it turns out that Ash has a half-sister and that she is inheriting half of the estate. 
So in a flashback, we see Ash find out that she has a half-sister and that she's been named in her father's will. And she's irate, especially given the abuse that she suffered at the hand of her father. So she starts to hatch the beginning of a plan. She's going to find her sister and she's going to kill her father. Oh, my God. So dramatic. So Ash finds a letter in her mailbox. And all that the letter says is she's going to expose you. And in the next scene, Kate brings her concerns about Ash to her uncle. He he takes her seriously and brings the concern to the dean. And after their meeting, the dean reviews a tape of her Skype interview with Ash. The Ash on campus is definitely not the same girl from the interview. So meanwhile, Ash is getting really paranoid because of the letter that she got. So she thinks that the letter is about Becca and that Becca was the one who killed Camille. So... That night is the Ivy-bound initiation, and at the ceremony, the girls are given drugs, and they're physically branded with the Ivy-bound seal. And afterwards, in her relief that it's over, and also the fact that she's high, Ash tries to kiss Becca in front of everyone. But Becca freaks out and rejects her and kicks her out. So then later the same night, Ash wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's an empty room across the hall from her room And the door is open. And so she follows it through. There's a passageway down into the tunnels. And she thinks that it's going to lead her to Becca, who was trying to lure her out to apologize to her. But it's actually the real Ash who is waiting for her. So the real Ash has been following in her. And in her words... The real Ash has been cleaning up her messes. So real Ash confronts Alex. That's that's fake Ash's real name, if this makes any sense. And she wants to take her life back. It becomes very clear that the real Ash has been responsible for Camille's death and is now planning to kill Becca as punishment for messing with her sister. Real Ash lures Becca to the front gates with an apology letter, telling her that she really just needs to talk to a friend. So now we're back to where the book started with the dean arriving on the scene with the girl hanging from the gates. And it, the girl is Becca. So... Ash slash Alex is the obvious suspect, but she confesses to the deal that she cut with the real Ash and tells them that the real Ash is the murderer. So her real name is Alexandria Pine. Alex knew Ash in Oxford, where Alex worked in a cafe and supported her drug addict's mother. She had no real opportunity to get a higher education. Ash was really bitter about getting sent to boarding school and generally just hated her father. She she wanted to kill her parents, but there was a stipulation in the will that Ash could not inherit any money until she's 25 and only if she has a college degree. So Ash offered Alex a deal. If Alex posed as her and went to boarding school and then to college, she'd split the money with her. So in the epilogue, Ash and Alex are on the same flight from New York to London in first class, and they're seated next to each other. So Alex has escaped unscathed from the incident at Good. She went to Harvard, and she has a high-profile law job. And Ash pretends not to recognize her, but she's actually booked the same flight to spy on her. So Ash intends to poison Alex during the flight, but Alex knows it and has switched the poison drink unbeknownst to Ash and ends up poisoning Ash. So Ash dies on the flight, and Alex is finally free. That is such a tongue twister. Do you think that she purposely said Alex and Ash just so that it would be all this alliteration? No, I think it was easy to read. It's just hard to to describe. It's hard to say out loud. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to discuss this book, but first, let's take a quick sponsor break. So today's episode is sponsored by Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best. It's a resolution that you will actually keep. So I don't know about you guys, but I find vitamins and supplements to be really overwhelming. Like, how do I know what I need for me specifically? I don't want just like a general, generic, one-size-fits-all multivitamin. Totally. And it's so overwhelming. I love how easy they make it. So you log on to the site and take this fun little quiz. And oh, do we both love a good quiz. So the quiz will ask you things about your lifestyle and health needs. How much sleep do you get? How often do you work out? Do you follow any specialty diets? Are you concerned about your hair, skin, and nail health? And then it spits out a personalized recommendation to help you find the vitamins and powders to support your specific goals. And I really love the convenient daily packs. They're perfect for an on-the-go lifestyle or traveling. Just throw one in your work bag in the morning or pack however many daily packs you need for a trip. And we also love the focus that Care-of has on quality ingredients. So they're really focused on quality science and research so you know that a ton of thought goes into every single product and recommendation. I also love that the little packs are made of compostable film. So there's a ton of information on how to compost them on Care-of's site. And as always, we have an offer to share. So for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code BOP50. That's such a good deal. So again, if you're ready to start using Care Of, take 50% off your first Care Of order. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code BOP50 at checkout. Let's talk about this book. Wait, first of all, Becca. Yes. We've read a lot of books where the main character is called Becca. Like think about the royal we, for example. This is very different. Oh, well, she was Bex. She was Bex, but She still. was like a Rebecca. Yeah. I mean, this was just Becca. Didn't we read one where there was a Grace? No, we haven't read one with a Grace yet. I thought we did read something where there was a character named Grace. I don't I, re- I remember at one point having a conversation about how do you feel if you a character has your name, but maybe it was about the, the royal we with your me. name. Oh, we talked okay. about that in royal we. That long ago? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I like the character to be named after me to be the hero more like in the royal we than the sociopathic. Like, is there really even a hero in this book though? No, there's no one there's good no, to be no in this good. book. <laughs> Literally, no one. I don't want to be anyone in this book. However, except maybe the dean. No, she has a good life, and she's like got the younger man on the side. I wasn't into her, but anyway, (laughs) did not love sharing a name with this Becca. No, I didn't think so. But yeah, what about the book as a whole? How did you feel about it? I mean, I obviously love a thriller. So okay, so I loved the setup. Like it got me from the very beginning. I thought that the setup was really interesting because first, you don't really know who the narrator is. So you're like being told this story, but you're not really sure who's telling it to you. And then also it opens the description of the girl hanging from the gates. And based on physical appearance, because it's somebody with long blonde hair, it could be either Ash or Becca. So I was kind of like intrigued from the very beginning to be like, what's happening? Like, I don't I don't even know where what mystery we're building towards. Yes, I felt the same way. I also really love that you didn't know who it was. And I don't think I even noticed that quite as much the first time I read it. But then the second time I read it, I was like, oh, this is Ash and this is Alex talking. Like, 
Like I, the first time I read it, I just thought it was all one person. And I was like, this person is crazy. Well, it so it's really interesting to go back and reread a thriller yeah. because then you get to like kind of fact check it and be like, did this make sense all the way through? Yeah. And then like, what didn't I see the first time yeah. that now I know because I know how it ends? So I thought it was a really interesting experience to go back and reread a thriller versus another book. Now that I think about it, I've never reread a thriller before. Because like, why would I? You know the ending. Yeah, you know the ending. Yeah. So this was, it was interesting. So I was really hooked for me. So, okay. So I thought it was a pretty slow build. But then after Camille died, the second half of the book like flew for me because I was like, oh, shit's going down. I felt the same way. Like it just like really picked up because at first you're like, where is this going? What's happening? Like, right. And they had to establish Ash at the school and like what the school traditions were and like her being tapped for ivy bound like i get that there had to be a lot of stuff to establish that the later stuff made sense there was so much setup you also had to learn about ash and her background and yeah there's a lot to get into like there's just so much of this plot like we just spent i don't even know how long we talked about the plot so long and i also cut things out of the summary because there was like uh, we'll talk about some of the side plots that i didn't even include because it was not relevant to the ultimate resolution of like Ash and Alex are pretending to be the same person. But yeah, there was like, it was a meaty book. and But I also feel like because it was meaty, there was a lot of like dead ends that kind of tricked me. Like there was the guy, Rumi, who was the groundskeeper, who was the son of the killer from the first murder. And it was like, oh, is he murdering people? Yeah. And then like Ford's mother is there. And you're like, there's all these people who kind of appear. Not, not that I really thought that Ford's mother was the killer, but it was like, I just I kind of liked that there were all of these wild goose chase things because I was like, I'm not sure what I need to pay attention to. Yeah, I found myself like really reading it slowly because there was so much detail and I didn't want to miss an important thing that I needed to know later. Yeah. Um. And but, you know, for me, you know that I love anything having to do with a secret society. Wait, you weren't in a sorority in college, were you? No. At, so I went to Boston College, and it's Catholic, and um, there's no Greek life. Do they have secret societies there? No. They don't? Okay. No. But I grew up in New Haven. Well, not in New Haven, but I grew up in Connecticut near New Haven. Do you ever watch The Skulls? Yes. Oh, my God. I love that movie. But Paul Walker, Joshua Jackson. Yes. It's love that movie. It does not hold up super well. Yeah. Holds up okay. I watched it again like a year or two ago and I was like, ooh. Yeah. But so um, in New Haven, the Skull the skull and Bones is actually a real secret society and like George W. Bush was in it. Yeah. And I can't remember who else, but there's like so many important alumni who are in government and like had titans of business and whatever. And so their clubhouses exist for real in New Haven and they all are like windowless and they're so creepy. And I remember when I was in... I guess I must have been in like middle school. My best friend and I were obsessed with the skulls because of the movie. And we used to make my mom like drive past the houses really slow and we would like check them out. I don't know what we were looking for, but I've always been obsessed with secret societies. And so this like from the get go, the minute I heard about Ivy Bound, I was like, tell me more. Wait, so you were in a sorority though. I sure was. And okay, I'm just going to say I wasn't every time I even allude to the fact that I was in a sorority, my DMs explode. I was in Gamma Phi Beta. I graduated college. 
um, wait, let me do some quick math, 17 years ago. So it really, I know that your sorority is supposed to be this thing that stays with you your whole life and like really matter to you and be important. It doesn't matter to me. I'm kind of like, I kind of cringe a little now knowing that I was in a sorority. If you were in a sorority, that's cool. Like, please don't judge me for saying any of this, but it's not that important to me. But okay, but it's important to me. And I would like to know all about your like initiation process. Okay. So pledging was a six week process. Okay. It was six very long weeks. You basically don't sleep. We had like, we had to have like meetings with each of the sisters. I think it was like half an hour with, I think there was like 40 sisters and I had to have two meetings with each of them, maybe more over the course of six weeks. So I had 80 meetings, I think. This sounds awful. Like this is, has no intrigue whatsoever. To get to know them. And then there was like these rituals where we would be taken out of our beds in the middle of the night and like taken away. Um, there were some scary things that happened. I just remember there was one drive where I was, we were driven and I had to like hold the roof up. Like, like my arms, it was like, I was in a car and my arms were like up like this. Cause I was like in charge of holding the roof up. And I just remember my arms really hurting, like a lot of stupid stuff. And then we'd get like taken into the middle of the woods and yelled at. And we'd have to do like exercises, like, like saying the Greek alphabet as fast as we could. I can still say it like super, super fast. Um, like, what else did we have to do? We just had, like, really a lot of, like, quizzing and being yelled at. Like, this is really disappointing for me because I was hoping – I've heard of, like – I guess it's more fraternities than sororities where they have to do, like, embarrassing, pranky stuff. But yours is just, like – It was a lot of verbal abuse and, um, like, a lot of, like, quizzes and projects. Oh. I remember – then the, the, it ends with – sorry, it ends with – um. I feel like I like shouldn't even be saying this because it's like top secret stuff, but who cares? Um, it ends with something called Hell Weekend where they would take us up to like, I want to say because my school was like outside of Boston. We'd go up to usually like Vermont or New Hampshire and rent this big house for the whole weekend. And it actually was a super fun thing. But for the pledges, it was terrifying because we called it Hell Weekend and there was a Hellmaster. So somebody in the senior class was like in charge and they were like, they had this hat that said Hellmaster and it was like a whole big thing. And we had all these activities. So I remember we had to do this crazy scavenger hunt all over one of the outlet malls, like and doing all this like stupid stuff. We had, there was something that always still scars me was a shoe game where um, all the sisters would throw all of their shoes into the middle of the room. And then the pledges had to identify which shoes be- belong to each sister. And the sisters would get like really bitchy and like throw their shoes at you if you gave them the wrong ones. Hmm. Yeah, I know this is disappointing. It is disappointing. Well, then at the end, so you're basically, you don't sleep for like 36 hours. You're okay. up for like all these activities. And then at the end, like I forget what happens. Like they take you like into the woods and they make you think that you're getting kicked out and you don't get kicked out. You get in. You have to drink a bottle of champagne and you ha- oh also when you're pledging, you're not allowed to drink. So you're like you you have no tolerance by the time you get in. And we had to eat goldfish. Real goldfish? Yeah, live ones. You did that? Uh-huh. Oh, that was what I wanted to hear about. You saved that for like the very end. That was the thing that I was yeah, like. Yeah, we, we ate goldfish. That satisfied my okay. what I assume pledging to be I would like. still eat a goldfish now. Like I ate so many goldfish like throughout college because when, then when all the pledges get in, when I was like 
already a sister. Um, you just like developed a taste for I would just eat them. I just Ew, great. <laughs> I think I did it for the shock value. <laughs> Grace. <laughs> well, what's really funny is like a while ago I was on a dating app and a guy was like talking about eating goldfish. And for some reason, I don't know why my mind went there. But I was like, yeah, I ate a lot of goldfish in college. And he's like, well, why don't you like them anymore? And I was like, well, it's kind of gross. And he's like, no, I love Pepperidge Farm. And I was like, oh, you're talking about the crackers, which are my fa- like one of my favorite snacks. I just – sometimes your mind just goes somewhere oh it shouldn't. Oh, my God. Yeah. So in the book, the hazing is that the night of their tap, they have to take – well, first they go into a room and there's like vodka that's laced with ecstasy. And then while they're high, they're told to like rub themselves with these leaves, which is poison ivy. So then they have poison ivy for like the next week, like really, really bad poison ivy. Really bad. Um, And then there's like a lot of tasks of like needing to go do subservient things for the seniors yeah, which like get their mail do yeah this yeah mail. that makes sense oh we had to make weather reports for the sisters what yeah we had to like draw like like a, pictures of like what the weather was gonna look like and leave them under their doors like That's at so like weird. 6 a.m i know weird shit um and then at the final initiation they ended up getting like branded and does that also happen in the skulls yeah i believe so yeah i think they get branded and then they get watches to put over it but I was – I'm just always fascinated about secret yeah. societies. No, I know. I find them fascinating too. You know the other portrayal of secret societies that I love? Okay. So did you watch Gilmore Girls? No, I didn't like Gilmore Girls. Have you tried it again? No. It's just so like small town and slow and the banter between Lorelai and Rory is like really annoying. Grace. Sorry. I know that's a sacrilege and I know everyone loves it. Did you watch until Rory got to college? No. My mom and my sisters loved it and I would always like leave the room when they had it on. I love it. And I do think having rewatched it, like I, I hear what you're saying about the beginning being oh, it's just small so, town. So slow and small town. But then she goes to school and in at Yale, she's in the Life and Death Brigade, which is a secret society. And like that feels like a really cool secret society to be in. Okay. Where they have like... She goes to cover it for the newspaper, but she goes and they're camping out in the woods and they're all dressed as if they're like rich people from the early 1900s and like was like kind of extravagant and over the top, but also like fun theme parties and really weird. But that seemed like a secret society that I would want to be in. That sounds great. It seems like the skulls was dangerous. The skulls is I want to be in a dangerous, like deadly secret society. Oh, interesting. There was a lot of killing people involved. Yeah. And there was cool parties, though. There was cool parties. But then, like, didn't Joshua Jackson get committed to a mental institution in that movie? I don't remember, but that sounds... Yeah, he did. He got, like, he found out too much of the truth. And so they, like, committed him to a mental institution. And he was, like, hopped up on, maybe I guess, benzos or something. I I would like to know if it's still good. It was my favorite movie I loved in it. early high school. My favorite movie. Mm. You know what else? Have you read Ninth House? Not yet. Was oh, it good? that's interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. So Ninth House is like magic meets secret societies. So okay. it's at Yale and it's about, I guess there are eight secret societies at Yale and this there's like a fake ninth house is okay. the premise of it. But all of the secret societies are magic. So it's not... It's dangerous, but in a different way than the skulls. Okay. Um, but I was really pissed at the book because I did, I really liked the book, but I got to the end and I didn't know 
in advance of going into it that it's setting up for a sequel or a trilogy. Yeah. So I was very unsatisfied at the end. Oh, I hate when that happens. There's nothing worse than thinking you're going to read like a full thing and then finding out that totally wait a whole nother year for. And for in some cases, like with American Royals, I we read it. I knew. So it was like we were prepared. It sucked. And I'm still like jonesing for the next one. But I knew versus this one, I like got to the end and I was like, what? Yeah. So it was like a cliffhanger ending. Okay, that's but it's in my good. pile. I haven't read it yet. I think you would like it because you, I mean, you love magic. I do. And apparently love the skulls. I did. So if, if those two things are in your wheelhouse, like I feel like the cent- the center of that Venn diagram is ninth house. I know, I do. You know what it was, was we were vetting books like ages ago and I got ninth house and Good Girls Lie around the same time. And I was like, mm, they seem kind of similar. So I only read Good Girls mm. Lie and didn't read ninth house. Got it. Go back and read it. Okay. What about Kate? I just see in the in our notes, I hate Kate. I do hate Kate. So, okay. So I really, Now we're talking about our other friend, our friend Kate. Well, so on the whole, I really enjoyed the book. And like net I'm net positive on it. But I felt like it was a little sloppy. So to introduce the character, and she was probably introduced like 60% into the book. Agreed. And that like she's gonna be the one who solves the murder based on her relationships that we have no we didn't know knowledge of her. like there were no breadcrumbs on her like she kind of just came in mm-hmm. so i felt like it was really unsatisfying that like this rando came in and she was the one who was solving what was going on i can see that versus like i kind of wish it was the dean you know because okay. i was like y- you know the dean and you know that she's suspicious of becca and you're like I- it would have been a more fulfilling journey for me but i felt like i was pissed that Kate just showed up out of nowhere and I was like oh there's another character and I have to learn all about her angst now too and like oh she solved it because she called in a file from Mm -hmm. London and it was like oh this doesn't it doesn't not make sense it was just it was introduced too late in the game for me okay did it bother you it didn't bother me but now that you've said this I feel annoyed by it right I just thought I hate Kate and I was like please elaborate oh no I mean she was fine like I didn't hate anything about the character i just hated her as like a plot device can we talk about how most of the characters were deeply unlikable yeah i mean all everyone everyone literally everyone except the dean i like the dean i didn't love the dean i felt bad for her i thought she was whiny and like but if i wanted to just be a writer and i had to be a dean of a school was it because she there was a whole plot line about her being an introvert is that why you liked her i liked her because she's an introvert but I also like I just liked her. I felt bad for her. Oh, I, I didn't. Would, I would never want to be a headmistress. Well, me either. But I didn't. I didn't really feel bad for her. I did. I didn't like anyone else. It's funny to like like a book so much, but also like hate most of the characters. Yeah, it was like Becca was deeply unlikable. Ash was obviously deeply unlikable. I didn't like the dean. Her roommate Camille was like kind of a brat, and her friends were brats. They're like, all brats. Nobody was. Alex is. I didn't like her. Yeah, there's nobody who you're like, I'm rooting for you. Yeah, you literally root for no one. You were like more so, I was more so rooting just for how twisty it was and to be like, what's going to happen? I just wanted to know what was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't really like anyone. One thing that I did like as a plot device, so on the opposite side of like Kate coming in randomly, I thought it, um, I really liked that there was a plot line or almost a non-plot line about Ash's sexuality where she was attracted to Rumi and then she was also attracted to Becca and she was confused about it, but it like wasn't a central point of the book. Yeah, where it, it was wasn't like, like 
a point of central tension. Like it was just like, oh yeah, she's like bisexual and not really sure which gender she's attracted to, but like it was not a big deal. deal. Yeah, I agree. I liked that 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 was thrown in there because I I mean, who knows how many teens are reading books like this? I feel like this was totally one that was about teens, but written for adults. I, I would agree. But I like seeing more books that are like that because hopefully if a teenager did read that and they were having those kind of feelings, it would be perceived as normal. Right. Because I like that there's books like Red, White, and Royal Blue where it is the central plot line and it's like, okay, we're getting gay heroes of of this book and like there's central plots. But it's also nice that there's just somebody in this book and it's like not a weird thing that anyone's hung up on that she's questioning her sexuality. Totally agree. So I did like that as like kind of a little yeah. thingy. Let's talk about the plots that I omitted. Okay. Okay. So the I guess there are three main ones. So the first one is that Ford is having an affair with Rumi, who is the groundskeeper and the son of the murderer from 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. he's kind of this suspicious character. And I was like all for it. It didn't really go anywhere. And also at one point it was implied that it started when he was underage. Because yeah. do you remember when the photos get sent to her and she can't just like admit it? And it to me, the implication was that they had started the fair bef- before he was 18. So it would be yes. problematic for her if it came out. Yes. But like that. And also it seemed like they ended up with a happy ending because it's alluded to at the end that they got together. I know. But like that was a whole plot where I was like, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And then he was also having sex with Camille, who's the roommate, mm-hmm. but he's not the father of Camille's baby because this s- Camille's stepbrother is the baby's father. Yes. And I was also really waiting to see where that went because I wanted to know what the mom was going to do when she found out that Camille and her stepbrother were together. Yeah, I agree. So, like, that was a whole plot. And then the last plot that didn't really go anywhere, it was resolved in the epilogue, but it didn't, it wasn't really well explained, was that there was a whole thing about the school getting an endowment on the condition that it went co-ed and that her mother was there to push it through. Yes. I forgot about that until just the second. So, like, those were the three dead ends. And, again, I don't think it really bothered me during the book because it was kind of like... One of those, like, look over here, and then you, like, didn't know what was important and what wasn't. I kind of love that technique where she kind of just threw out all these, like, things that didn't go anywhere because you were, like, thinking about it. Right. Like, I really had my eye on Rumi for quite a bit. I was like, he did something bad. Yeah, it was like, it he's sketchy. You were like, is it Rumi? Is it Becca? You yeah. were like, is it the dean? No, I was never like, it was the dean. I also was like the computer teacher. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like. Is he is he bad? Is he bad because he was new? Yeah. So there, I felt like there was a lot of bait and switch. Agree. I think that's a great technique. If I was going to write a thriller, I would put a, I would do a lot of that. I think so. I read some comments in the Facebook group from oh, listeners. Know. A lot of you didn't like it, and it seems like people didn't like this book. And I wonder if that was why, because I think. It, on the one hand, it's frustrating that things are left unresolved. But at the same time, if you just think of it as a snapshot, like those things weren't really important to resolve. But yeah. like during the thick of it, it was like pleasantly confusing. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly confusing. I like that. Yeah. In the context of a thriller. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you predict the end? Like at what point did you understand what was happening? Oh, gosh. It was um, 
it was not till like pretty far in that I was like, oh, this is what's happening. Like I had a pretty good idea that Ash was not Ash because I mean that was right. really spelled out for us that she wasn't going to be Ash. But I didn't really think about it. I didn't really – I didn't see the the whole switcheroo that they pulled coming. Yeah. Um, and then I love the end, like the, like they flash forward. Uh, the end was like super weird. It was super weird. I would have liked to like have like a sequel where they talk about their adult lives a little bit and you get to know what happens to them. Well, it was super weird because also clearly they're like both kind of sociopaths. Yeah. Where it was like very clear throughout the book – that real that Ash. real Ash was a sociopath. Like in all of the thing, in all the flashbacks, she like she maybe killed Alex's mother, and she killed both of her parents, and she's mm-hmm. like she's killing people left and right. Yes. So it's like very clear that she's a sociopath. I love that her solution to like hating her parents was I'm going to kill them. Right. Like maybe just like get away. I don't know. I know. Like it was very clear that she and like especially the way she talked about it where. She was, like, very deranged. Mm -hmm. But then Alex, who was pretending to be Ash, she was, like, kind of sympathetic through it because it was, like, she's doing it for the money and the education. But then there were, like, hints of it where you were, like, oh, are you a sociopath because you're Mm -hmm. going along with this? But in the end, she's, like, and then I killed my sister. Yeah. I think they're both sociopaths. And also Becca's kind of a sociopath. Yeah. Well, poor Becca, RIP. But yes. Because she was, like, well, Becca was such a mean girl in the beginning. Well, also there was the whole plot line about her faking the psych profile because it was like because Becca was a lesbian and her mother wouldn't accept it. Yeah. So then she went to the doctor to like and faked a psych history so that she could get pills. Yeah. Like, that was everyone's a, like a sociopath in this book. Mm-hmm. Everyone is deeply unlikable and a sociopath. Well, wait. So one thing I wanted to go through, I thought it was interesting. I said this before rereading it. It's interesting to see like what holds up and like makes sense on Mm -hmm. a second pass versus what things didn't make sense. Yes. Okay. So I thought a few things that really held up. So first thing is throughout it, when Alex is pretending to be Ash, Whenever somebody talks about her parents, she like talks about her mother and how much she misses her mother and how sad about it she is. And then when it's revealed that her that Ash, real Ash had killed Alex's mother, you were like, "Oh, this like makes sense that, that it's like she's not just pretending because she's pretending to be Ash that like these are real emotions that she's having too." Agreed. I thought that that was interesting because at first you were like, "You didn't know that." So when you find out that she's not the real Ash, you're like, oh. Yeah, why is she sad? And then you're like, oh, wait, yes. Yeah. And I also thought Camille's death, like, that was all very neatly tied together. Agreed. And what about how Ash killed her parents? Well, so I don't know that that was, like, it made sense based on the explanation because there was, like, a very detailed explanation mm-hmm. at the end of, like, how the plot went. Yeah, But it was, like, it was – told not shown kind of because I didn't get it I was like how does this make any sense until it was like explained to me agree but I do think that all the details previous to that made sense with the explanation what about things that didn't make sense oh so the biggest thing that didn't make sense to me so at the very beginning of the book the first thing that goes awry is professor Grassley dies so she's the music teacher 
she dies because Ash gives her these chocolates that she brought for her. But it seems like, and that was kind of a thing for me through the book where I was like, was it on purpose or was it not? But then like Ash has this moment where she's so remorseful when Professor Grassley dies and she's like, oh my God. And then she looks in her bag and realizes that she gave her the wrong chocolates. And I'm like, bitch, why do you have two different types of chocolates in your bag that look the same? And one is like allergy safe, but then apparently one is from yeah. Why would an you get an entirely them? different place? I know. I didn't understand that either. It's like, why don't you have... Like, why wouldn't you just get everything from the allergy-free place? Right. Because at first, I thought that maybe real Ash switched them on her so that Professor Grassley died, so that it didn't come into question that she couldn't play piano. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So, like, real Ash did this maybe. But it it, it doesn't seem like that. Like, it was then played off where it was like, no, that was actually truly an accident. And it yeah. was like, why did you have two kinds of chocolate? I don't understand that. It didn't make sense. I feel like there were so many other things she could have done to, like, kill that character. Right. Why do you need – like, I would never – I mean, I would be so nervous, like, if I knew someone had that allergy to even have them close together, like, to even have them in the same bag. Right. Like, it was very and, confusing. hmm Yeah. Agreed. And then I also didn't feel like the Becca psych profile plot line – came together for me. How come? Okay, so at the very beginning, the dean gets an email from Becca's mom, and her mom is like, here's a psych profile on her. Please keep an eye on her. And the psych profile basically says that she has sociopathic tendencies. And then through the book, it's like, oh, yeah, she's exhibiting sociopathic tendencies. Like, this all makes sense. But then when she explains it, she was like, there was an incident where she, like, I think she basically came out to her mom, and her mom was like, Absolutely not. Or maybe it was that they knew somebody who was gay and her mom like wasn't accepting of them. I think that was it. I don't remember now, but I think that was it. Yeah. And then so then she like went to the doctor, but then like made up this psych history. And it was like, what? Yeah. Why did you need to do that? Why did you do that? And Like, if anything, I was like, it seemed like they were trying to explain it where I was like, no, the explanation was already that she was a sociopath. Yeah. And then it was like, no, she's actually not a sociopath. She was like pretending to be a sociopath. Yeah, and it was she's like, just gay. And it was like, no, I, I think she's both gay and a sociopath. Yeah. Agree there. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear, whenever we have disagreements with our audience about whether they like it or don't, I feel like we always have a really good conversation in the Facebook group. So I'm very excited to hear what people thought and for people who didn't like it, what, yeah. what about it? I know. And sorry if you didn't like it because this was definitely my pick. But I liked it a lot and I stand behind our pick. Well, I mean, you better do better for your second murder of 2020. I know. A lot Shit. of the pressure's on. The pressure is on. So maybe we'll do another thriller in like June. Where did this fall on the spectrum for you? Like if you were on the thriller spectrum of like one to 10? I would say medium. I still, I prefer something that's like, because my thrillers are like my guilty pleasures and this had so much plot and like so many twists and just so much information. It took me like a bit longer to read. Whereas like my favorite kind of thriller I read in one night because I can't okay. sleep and I need to know what happens. This for me, I don't think I'd be able to read this book in one no. night. It's very, it's just like a lot of a lot, like it's, there's a lot of meat and that's, I'm not saying that as a criticism. Yeah. I'm just saying that when I do choose to read a thriller, it's because you want to breathe. I want to like 
just crank through it and like solve a murder in one night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I really did enjoy it. Me too. I mean, I don't read a lot of thrillers and I don't read a lot of thrillers because I'm a scaredy cat. And so this is a good thriller for me to read because I'm not afraid of going to a boarding school and accidentally being killed by a sociopath. Like that doesn't seem like something that could happen to me. Yeah. Versus I get really paranoid with like things that could happen to me. Yes, that makes sense. So this one is fine for me. Okay. But sometimes like, well, I guess Verity couldn't have happened to me, but I was like, I didn't want to go to sleep because I was like, oh, I'm going to have nightmares. Oh my God, Verity. I had to go drink afterwards. Yeah, but I guess I also wasn't at risk of having Verity happen to me, but it still greatly affected me. Yeah. Like this one wasn't very gory. It wasn't gory. It was just... And you didn't like anyone, so you were like, yeah, kill anyone you want. Yeah, have it. Kill them all. <laughs> yeah. Like, this universe is fucked. Kill yeah, them all. just kill everyone. Except the dean. You could have killed was her. Rumi was cute, too. I liked Rumi. You could have killed them both in my book. I felt bad for Rumi because he had that history of murder in his family. He had a real chip on his shoulder about it. He did. He was grumpy. Yeah. But I liked him. Should we get out of the book talk and talk about some other things? Yes. What are you obsessed with right now? Okay. So I have two. And I don't want people to think that this is like a cheap answer because I don't I don't like feeling like I have to have bought something new for every episode. So I'm recycling one and then I have two TV ones. Okay. So the first one is I'm re-obsessed with my gravity blanket. Oh, I'm re-obsessed with mine. It's like it's gravity blanket season. I had not pulled mine out this year until Friday night. And on Friday night, I was like, couldn't sleep. I was very restless. And um, I pulled out the gravity blanket because I just felt like I was tossing and turning. And, the, and I feel like the gravity blanket's kind of like a straight jacket. Mm-hmm, so if I put is. it over myself when I sleep, I stop tossing and turning. So I pulled it out on Friday night. And then on Saturday, it was snowing all day. And I was like, oh, I just want to lay underneath the gravity blanket and be cozy. So now it's made its way out into my couch. And now basically anytime I'm sitting on my couch, I'm under the gravity blanket. Oh, that's the best. It's so nice. It's so nice. It's the best feeling. It really is. I would agree with you there. Also, we both have knockoff gravity blankets. We'll link them in the show notes, but they're from Amazon. Yeah. I call it a gravity blanket, but it's not. It's just an Amazon weighted blanket. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm... What ve- weight do you have? I don't remember. I have... So you're supposed to do 10% of your... I have a blog post about gravity blankets yeah. if you guys want to read it. You're supposed to do 10% of your body weight and round up. I have a 15-pound one. I don't remember what I yeah. got. Well, if, if you guys need that direction, I just think that's helpful. Yeah. Because I was sent in the mail a five-pound one, and I was Not like, oh, I don't want this. Not enough. That's for a child. Yeah. Someone who's 50 pounds or under. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other obsessions I have are TV. So um, over the weekend, I watched all of Grace and Frankie season six. It is, it is so good. I love that show. I love that show, too. I didn't finish season five, and so now I think I need to re- to watch that and then watch season six. I mean, yes and no, but like you could just get caught up on the previously on it. Season five it's annoyed such a me sitcom. a little bit because there was like all that that whole thing with the retirement home. Yeah. And then I was like mad about that. Yeah, but it's like a sitcom. So you basically understand what happens and they're like, it's like a new hijinks, new season. Okay. So I loved that. I am actually really happy because I thought this was the final season, but it's not. There's a season seven and that's oh, the final good. season. Okay. And I like the setup for the final season, too. I okay. won't spoil it. Um, and then I had a really love-hate relationship with Virgin River. Okay. My family is watching that. So 
Uh, my friend Rachel, who I usually have really similar TV taste to, was like, you need to watch Virgin River. And I started watching it and I was like, this is terrible. Like, oh, this no. is so cheesy. Oh, no. But I was watching it while I was knitting. And so my hands, I was like, my hands were occupied and I was like, it's too much effort to like turn it off and find something new to watch. Mm -hmm. So I kept watching it and I probably watched two episodes and then I was like, I don't know why I'm watching this, but I'm going to keep going. And then by the end of the season, I was like, I love this. That's so funny. Okay. So it was like really a slow burn. Do you think I would like it? Yeah. I think that you would have to be in the right mood. Like I told me I'd hate it. I think that it would be, it might've been me. It might have been you. I don't know. I don't know who it was. I think that it would be a good thing. Like if you were like, I'm really sleepy and want to watch a whole season of something in a weekend or like I have a hangover or something. I don't think it's like destination watching for me. Like it was really good to like watch. I felt invested, but I was also knitting while I was doing it. Yes. Okay. So if you... I need to get an activity I can do while listening to audiobooks and watching TV. Because mm-hmm. um, f- while listening to this audiobook, I was just like, what do I do with myself? Because you really need to pay attention because it's so intense. I usually listen to audiobooks out of my house, outside of my house. I'm not outside. I- I've left my house like twice this week. Oh, I do it like it's too I... too cold. It's too cold. Listen to it on the way to the grocery store while I was grocery shopping, like oh. any errands I run, if I'm on the subway into the city. So I mostly do it not at home. Or when I was at home, I was doing it while I was cooking. Okay. I listened to a big chunk on the plane to Charleston and the plane back. But I don't – when I'm um, wandering around, I like to have music on. I do too. I prefer it. But I like when I'm rereading something and it's an audiobook. Like I like that I feel like I'm not giving time to it that I could be doing something else. Yeah. So if I'm just going to the grocery store and, you know, doing things that I would normally listen to music during, I'm like, I feel okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are you obsessed with? I have three. But there's an underlying theme of nesting and coziness. Okay. So the first is two different movies that I saw while I was in Charleston. The first one is called Jexy, J-E-X-I. I I saw that. It looked – the preview looked awful. It's so funny. It's so dumb. Like, watch this if you're, like, hungover or sad. Like, me and Natalie, my friend Natalie, and I were literally, like – belly laughing the whole time like it was so funny so this movie is basically about imagine siri but imagine that siri gets free will and she's kind of a jealous bitch isn't this kind of like her oh but way funnier okay so it's like a funny version of her no yeah and i love adam divine i think he's hilarious and very cute he's like a teddy bear i like him a lot um so love that at the opposite end of the spectrum i also saw 1917 in the theater I was roped into this. I did not want to see it. It was like a boy movie. I was like, I don't want to see this. It was a war movie. Like, kill me. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so wonderful. nominated for an Oscar, right? Yeah. I think it just won a Golden Globe. Oh, okay. Go see it. Like, it's fantastic. And it's better to see it on the big screen because it has, like, it's, it's shot very beautifully. It's a war movie. So you want to, like, see the whole thing laying out, like, on the big screen before you. I cried for, like, the last 10 minutes. Like, I was... Natalie was doing this too. We were both like ugly crying in our seats. And then the boys that we were with were like, what's wrong with you two? <laughs> like they were ashamed. So it was very, very good. I loved it. Okay. What are your other two? 
Okay, the next one. Sorry, this is such a list. I made this last night. Liz Adams from Hello Adams Family. She's a good friend of mine. She was a guest at our Chicago Live show. Has this recipe on her blog right now for um, like a healthier version of chicken tenders. And like one of my all-time favorite foods is chicken tenders. Like I could eat a buffalo chicken salad, as could you. Like Love every night. buffalo chicken salad. So I made these chicken tenders and then I I um, put Frank's on top of them and serve it with blue cheese dressing. <laughs> I'm in heaven. So it's like a healthier version of like fried chicken. But um, what I love about it is the secret ingredient, which Becca is highly allergic to. It's the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning. Putting that in the um, breadcrumb mixture is just wonderful with a little cayenne pepper. Oh, my God. So I will not be eating these. And then my last one is a humidifier. Um this my humidifier is linked in my Amazon shop, but um, my the the air in my apartment is really dry, and I also have a lot of plants, and like so I got this for breathing for my plants and for my skin, and it makes such a difference. Like I can noticeably tell a difference in the quality of the air in my in my living room versus my bedroom because my bedroom doesn't have one set up yet. I got a humidifier a couple of years ago, and I was really into it for a month, and then. I like 100% lost interest. I think I, I could see that happening for me because it is a pain. Like I, How do you fill that one? Um, I, I lift up the thing and then I take the tank in there and I fill it yeah, up. Yeah, the filling it part is so annoying. Right? I have if, to f- if you had a top fill one that you could fill with like a watering can or something yeah. where you didn't have to take the whole thing, carry it back and forth. So the one I got for the bedroom is a top fill. This one is just has such a big tank mm-hmm. because it's it's an, it's for a 600 square foot area. Yeah. So it's big and it uses up the whole tank in one day. Yeah. I then have to refill it at least once a day. Yeah. So that is a pain, but I swear to you, I notice such a difference in both my mm. skin and the air in just in just a day. I'm I've curious. only had it a day. I want to see which top fill one you got because I could see myself using that more than like yeah. the filling it process. I just really hated, even though it's not that hard. I was just like, I know, especially I used to have it in my bedroom. So it was like something I would do before I went to bed and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I think I got rid of it when I moved. It's, maybe it's in my closet. It's kind of annoying, but I do think it's like the air in at least in my apartment is so dry because I have this like giant heater that just like I mean it just like blasts you and it's wonderful because I get yeah. cold and I need the heat turned on. But um, I'll get like some bloody noses. My skin gets really oh, wow. dry. Yeah, yeah, like some not like anything intense, but I'll just like blow my nose and there'll be a little bit of blood. Oh, that's like, not a bloody nose. I mean, but why am I getting that? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like a real like like blood is gushing down my face. I'm exaggerating. But also my skin is so dry. So anything I can do to help with that is important. What about on Instagram? So mine is someone I found because of Tybal. Tybal, if you don't know who that is, it's an Instagram account called Things I Bought and Liked. She's one of my favorite people on the internet. All I want is for her to come on this podcast, but she's anonymous and she won't. Um, I feel like she's getting ready to come out because she I think she is. She was showing like half of her face last week. And I was like, oh, girl, you're flirting with danger here. And I know that her name is Sarah and she's put her initials on things before. So I think she is like we were, we DM a lot. And she was like, whenever I decide to like blow the lid off this popsicle stand, I'm going to do this and that. I'm like, please tell us who you are. Come on the podcast. Yeah, I feel like she's like 
by the end of 2020, she's going to be out. Yeah, I think so too. But um, she told me, or not told me, but she put on her store. She puts. <laughs> You're like my best friend Tybel be- told my me. My best friend Tybel, who I do not know what her name is or who she is or anything about her besides like the things that she shares on the internet and the fact that her name is Sarah. Um, she on her story, she talks a lot about Kathleen Jennings Beauty. It's Kathleen with a K. And Kathleen just has a lot of really good beauty advice and a lot of good product recommendations. And I just enjoy following her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't have one. I'm actively trying not to follow more people. I had myself down to 500, but now I'm up to 599. And so I'm on a I'm on a one in one out policy. And I already have a pretty tight base where I've eliminated all the things that I can. So I can't really follow anyone else without eliminating anyone. I know. I'm trying not to follow anyone else, but I'm at 1290. So Ooh, whatever. But um, I can now basically do the renegade dance that I talked about last week, which I'm not going to show anyone, but I can do it. Oh, my God. So, you know, if we are... This is a TikTok thing. This is a TikTok thing. If we're at an event and the song comes on, like, I'll know the dance with all the 19-year-olds. Great. You should be very proud. I am. Okay. I'd like to learn more TikTok dances. I Googled last night looking for a dance class in New York City that would like teach the TikTok dances and I couldn't find one but if anyone knows of one I will I would love that. Oh my god. Yeah, maybe I'm going to go to dance body more. Maybe 2020 is the year that I learn to be a sick dancer. Well, you should go to Tracy Anderson. No, it's far away. Yeah, it is far away. But I love Tracy Anderson for dance. It's fun. What about on the book side? Um, I'm reading Long Bright River by Liz Moore. It's amazing. How this far book are has you? gotten so much hype and I I don't know. Something about the title like made me like, oh, I don't want to read that. It sounds like a nature book. I don't know. It's a it's a mystery. It's set in Philly. It's incredible. I'm about I want to say sixty five percent through. Okay. It's definitely another. It's another like more meaty thriller. Like I can't just read it in one day. It's like more of a detective type of novel. Like I think there's a difference between like a cheesy murder thriller and like a good, well written detective mystery. Mm-hmm. This is more of a mystery. And I'm really enjoying it. I can see why. Like, people keep DMing me and being like, is it worth the hype? Because it was um, blurred by the woman who wrote Girl on the Train. I think people are thinking it's going to be like that. And it's not oh. at all. It's, like, t- completely different from those types of books. Like, completely different from my usual genre of, like, Gone Girl ripoffs. It's wonderful so far, though. It's really well written. I kind of wish that we had had this as a book pick, to be honest. I love it so much. So, hindsight's twenty twenty. Not in not in place of Good Girls Lie. I just wish that we had had it because it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about you? So I finished Miss You by Kate Eberlin. And Cutest I book. loved it. So cute. I loved it. Like it was not – it was – so somebody recommended it to me because I asked for British rom-coms. And it is not a rom-com, but it is a – it's like a romance book. You guys, Tyrion just jumped on my lap. Tyrion's in a weird mood today. Um, He's purring. Can you guys hear him? (laughs) So it is not a rom-com, but it is like a dramatic romance. And I loved it. I thought it was so good. And then um, I started... The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by oh, Josie is it? Silver. I'm so excited. That's going to be – I think that might be, be my next book. Um, It's good. I'm only probably about 40 pages in. So this is the second book 
by the author of One Day in December. And this comes out in March. And the premise is basically that a woman's husband dies. And then it's kind of told in parallel timelines as one as if he'd lived and one what her life is like after he died. So it's kind of sliding doorsy. Oh, I'm so excited for this. So I started it, um, but I, I haven't made much headway because I was watching Grace and Frankie and I was in kind of a TV mood the last week. Should we tell everyone what our next book is? Yes. Okay, so wait. So before we tell you, we have a new process, new year, new process, where we're going to announce our book every month for the next month in our book club episode. And then the same day, we'll announce it on social media. So if you're behind or you don't listen to a book club episode, we'll still tell you on Instagram and in the Facebook group, but it won't be until the day of our book club episode. And previously, we'd announced books a few at a time. But honestly, like there's not that much of a point because we generally choose new releases. So it's not as if you can read it before, like if we told you three months in advance. So I th- I feel like this is going to piss off some of the library readers because I know people like to get a hut on their holds, but it's going to make us much less stressed and make sure that we can screen books to pick the very best books for our book club. Yes. Exactly. So that's the new process. So drumroll. <laughs> it's Followers by Megan Angelo. Yes. So we're reading Followers. I think this is going to be such a good book to discuss. It is about, um, it's set in two timelines. One is in 20, it's in like 2016. Is that right? 2017? Um, 2015 and then 35 years later. Yeah. So it's in 2015 and 2050. And um, it follows these two girls and they become reality stars in 2015. And then there's a future where um, basically social media is the Truman Show, basically. And it's kind of like, it's not a satire, but it is a satire a little about social media and about reality TV. But it's um, it's really soapy and great. And it has such a great plot. And it was like really good to read. But I think it's also really good to discuss. I'm excited. I think you guys are really going to love this one. I also am excited just about all of the conversations here around social media and overexposure and oversharing and being fame hungry. There's just so many great things that we can talk about. But I also want to stress that it's like really good to read too. Like it's not like it has a it's like a fun book. It's a really fun book. Yeah. I think I really hope that you guys love this one as much as I did. Okay. So that's what we got for you. Pick it up. It came out, um, I think it came out January 14th. So it should be at your libraries. It should be on Amazon. Grab a copy. Go get it. And that's what we've got for you today. But if you would like to discuss this book with us or talk to us about anything else, come join the Facebook group. Um, and also follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.